Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the e-commerce podcast from DataOak. Today, Pratik and I have the honor of welcoming Rick Newman. Rick is the current Chief Product and Technology Officer at Flip, a retail technology company that helps families by making their lives more affordable. The Flip app has been downloaded 15 million times already. Prior to being at Flip, Rick has held several leadership roles, including being the Executive Vice President of E-Commerce and Chief Technology Officer at Walmart Canada and the Director of E-Commerce Operations at Sears. Rick, uh, we're really happy to have you on the show today uh, and we want to thank you for taking the time. Before we dive right into this episode, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself, uh, your background and how you got started into this space. Sure. Uh, so I'm Canadian, born and bred, grew up in Montreal and then moved to Toronto in the mid-90s, uh, where I was fortunate enough to, uh, to go to school for business, for commerce, found my way into um, e-commerce and technology by just passion and uh, a devotion to trying to make things easier and better for those of us who love the online world and found right. that e-commerce was one of the areas that, um, at least back in the early 2000s, was a hard place to found my way to Canadian Tire uh, on their marketing team, just doing like site management and uh, marketing coordination. Moved to Sears, where I had the opportunity to lead um, e-commerce operations and product management and build the first product team. Um, from there, uh, Walmart came knocking and was finally ready to get off the bench and do something meaningful in e-commerce in Canada, which was incredibly exciting. So I had the opportunity to join that team when it was still fledgling. I think my, my first day on the job, the number one product on walmart.ca was the BlackBerry Playbook. Um, <laughs> We're talking of a different era right now. <laughs> Tell you everything you need to know. Shortly after that, we launched diapers, and it was a rocket ship from that moment on. And um, and then after uh, doing the Walmart.ca thing, was asked to lead technology for Walmart Canada, which included stores and warehouses and the home office technology as well, which was eye-opening in terms of the complexity that technology truly has on an organization like that, when you kind of pull it all the way back in the supply chain, right down to the person who's, you know, loading the shelf and checking you out at the store, uh, really learned a lot around how technology and operations connect. Uh, was asked to then move to the US, so moved down to Arkansas for a, a couple of years to help the international team go through the same kind of agile technology transformation journey that we had done in Canada. Uh, and then finally decided that it was time to be back in Canada and to try something outside of retail, having done it for about 15 years, uh, working across various retailers. And um, I had worked with the guys at Flip for a number of years, the founder uh, and I had developed a friendship when uh, we originally integrated Canadian Tire, when we then moved to Flip at Sears, and then ultimately when we worked with Flip at Walmart. So knowing how well the company served large retailers and the vision that they had, it felt like it was an amazing opportunity to come and join a retail technology support company on the media side where I could learn something brand new and try my hand at something that I'd never done before. And it's been an awesome journey. I just crossed one year awesome. and the team is brilliant. The work that we're doing is incredibly fun and ever more relevant through a pandemic. So it's a, a fun time. 50 million downloads of the app. That's huge. I mean, when you consider there's maybe what 120 million households in North America, 50 million downloads is huge, right? So tell us, you know, what is Flip and how is it helping shoppers, you know, save those bucks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so 
Every retailer has some form of saving and deal strategy, some way to encourage a shopper to say, you know what, I've got great things for you this week, you should come and choose me. And they normally communicate that in a variety of forms, but it's normally taken the form of a paper flyer delivered to your door or the form of a coupon book mailed to your house. Yeah. And the, the whole paradigm behind Flip is that's not good enough in today's day and age. A, nobody picks up the mail. I don't think I've touched a, uh, a physical piece <laughs> of in a number of years other than to, to hand it to uh, my wife or hand it to the recycling bin. <laughs> and, and on top of that, it the format just doesn't connect with the expectation of a customer today. And so Flip is trying to change all of that. It's trying to reinvent the way that merchants reach shoppers and that shoppers make informed decisions about where to put their hard-earned dollar. And so we aggregate all of the savings and deals together, all of the flyers, all of the coupons, all of the local deals uh, from individual stores that we have access to. We pull it together into an easy to navigate shopping experience that helps you choose where to shop every week. And by doing that minimal amount of decision-making work of, man, where am I gonna go put my dollar this week? You right. can find real savings for your family as each different store has a different reason why you might choose them. And not everyone wants to go to like four or five different stores to get all the best deals in a given week. We're all time starved. So if you can make that one best decision for your family, you can save some real dollars. And that's what we're trying to do. And to make that decision-making process as easy as possible. I love it. It's Super like, interesting. Yeah, for real. I mean, I think the mission, your mission at Flip is so uh, noble. Like I, I just... Much, much respectful and critical. Like, critical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very important, as you say, especially in the in, in this time right now. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just love it. The research that we've done says that using Flip on a weekly basis can save a family on average forty five dollars a week. Wow, that's that's oh, awesome. week is amazing. Like you guys immediately react how good it is, but when you do the math, that's over two thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I can take a huge now. vacation. I can go to my dream destination with that much money in a year. Well, wait, right. Flip is not in France yet. Oh, yeah. When is it opening? Come to France. Fair enough. Yeah, if we don't operate in France, we uh, we have all of those millions of downloads were across the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you want to experience that, come across the pond. You're going to love it. <laughs> if you come to France, I'll message you guys first. <laughs> Rick, what's a typical work day at Flip for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as a chief product officer at an organization, uh, and a chief technology officer, no two days are the same, but there are some common themes. I mean, the most important theme is how do you set your strategy right? So a good part of my day is working with my CEO, with the rest of the executive team, and ensuring that we've got the right strategy in place. There's so many things we could work on, and we're not a huge team. We're, we're not a Walmart where we have access to a amount of resources. pick your battles, right? You got to choose the right path, right? And so... I'd say number one is having the right strategy. And so I spend a good amount of time understanding the market, understanding how we're performing, and then looking at what are some new avenues that we can do and new products we could even explore mm -hmm. that could help us achieve the mission. But of course, the, the next highest priority and probably more amount of my time is then spent on making sure that we've got the right team to go do it. Because uh, in our world, the team is everything. When you're breaking new ground and you're trying new things, there's no like automation program you can just buy off the shelf and say, poof, your strategy is realized. <laughs> you have a brilliant team who can knock down and change the way that you go and deliver. And so 
the biggest part of my energy is spent with the team, making sure they understand the strategy and where we're going so they have as much context as possible, inclusive of the context of retail. One of the great advantages I have is that I've worked in retail for a long time. And yeah. so I can help explain the mentality of the merchant and why they're putting out all of these savings. And the business side of things, not just the tech side. Exactly, exactly. And give them both the strategy context and the customer context mm -hmm. uh, in order for them to make great decisions when I'm not around. Because the reality is, I, I don't want to make all of the decisions. There's a brilliant team for that. And so really trying to make sure that I have a brilliant team, they understand the context, and they're motivated to go chase it. And I'd say that's like the number two piece of my day. And after that, it's really telling as many people about Flip as possible. <laughs> so, so, so Rick, tell us, you know, who, who are Flip's retail partners? And, you know, because there are so many, you know, retailers in America, right? You've got your Walmart and then you've got regional players like a food line, which I've seen in the East Coast. I've seen Hy-Vee in, in, the, in the Midwest. So who are Flip's retail partners? And then, you know, uh, and do you have like a specific target? Like for example, Target is let's say more high-end than, than, than a Walmart. Is Target or Target? <laughs> so yes, 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 and yes. All of those retailers uh, work with and partner with Flip to a certain extent. Now, I say that with confidence because truly over 90% of major retail in North America is available and visible on the Flip app. And we work with those leadership teams, the teams at each of those merchants to try and help them cut through and help them be successful with services like content strategy, how to make their content jump out and reach the shopper in the best way possible so that they can put their best foot forward with different media capabilities inside Flip and beyond Flip to take best advantage of those savings and deals and get a jump on the competition directly where they want to do it. The nice thing about the app and the experience is it's super local. So you're targeting a very specific customer uh, and every merchant is trying to grow and define their strategy, not just at the macro level, but right down into the community and, and we can help them do that. So those are some of the different ways that we help the merchant side. And then we've earned a seat with so many North American merchants um, that it's, it's truly inspiring that now Having worked in retail for so long, I get to turn around and then work with all of the people that I've worked with uh, and support them, whether they're at, you know, some of the major grocers in Canada or the U.S., from Kroger to uh, Walmart Canada to Sobeys, um, or outside of grocery, even in the hard goods space at Home Depot, uh, at Lowe's, at Rona, at so many of these other um, major North American retailers. We, we get a chance to work with them and try new things with them and innovate with them, which is really fun. You, you know how you just mentioned that you're working with the same retailers across many different geographies, you know, within the country, like different regions. So, I mean, are, are consumers' tastes, maybe do they vary between, let's say, Canada and the U.S. Uh, and also within states in, in America? So, let's say, East Coast, West Coast, are consumers' tastes different? And does that impact the kind of coupons and offers you show on your platform? Uh, so, tastes definitely differ. And retailers uh, have caught on to this and offer different promotions and then different material in different regions. And we help them reflect that. Uh, and we're trying to give them better and better tools to increase the ability for them to be agile in that way, to tell an even more compelling story right down to the store level or even beyond. Like as e-commerce becomes far more pervasive and you can truly personalize down to the individual, there's an opportunity for us to get even better. 
So we're working on a product right now. We're calling it Merch Agility. It's a working title. Um, I know the product marketing team is considering what uh, a fancier name might be, but the whole point is around giving merchants the tools that operate at the speed of retail because print never did. I mean, when you were trying to build out a print program, you had to then manually look at each different version as it was being printed and it added layers of complexity. So still most merchants have a regional strategy but they have it in the dozens or less in most cases because of the staff or the eyeballs or the discipline to manage every detail of every print piece that's going out. With an automated capability, you can get much more nuanced and then you can tailor your message and change it based on inventory position, weather, personalization, so many other factors. And real time, right? Like whichever ad's working, you push that product or that ad. That's exactly right. Giving them the real time tools to help them then shape demand and work with their customers in the right way. And it's really, really customer centric as well. I hate it when I get a flyer and I look at an item on the front page, that's amazing. And I drive to the store and it's out of stock. <laughs> good point, good point, yeah. yeah. Um, but if we can help them to make every ad spot that much more compelling and make the shopper's time that much more valued, I think everybody wins. So we're, we're working on problems like that. Was there a, any initial like skepticism, apprehension on the part of the, the retailer side to, to digitize? Um, yes and no. I think every merchant has known that they have to digitize uh, the way that they operate. And the customer is driving it. And honestly, merchants are very customer centric. They listen to their customer and they react. Um, they traditionally have been a little slow to react to some of the inevitable future of e-commerce. But understandably, it's been a challenge from a profitability perspective. So I know why a lot of merchants haven't jumped in. Uh, my perspective while sitting in the merchant chair has always been, it's very clear that if you don't get into e-commerce, your customers who want that are going to go somewhere else as they build the capability. Other people's customers who also want that would be willing to switch if you are the best opportunity. And there's a real habit breaking moment uh, as people decide that they're going to switch contexts. And with the right technology and over time, you are able to make e-commerce as or more profitable than physical retail. But it really takes kind of that innovation spirit and thinking beyond the physical box of the store in order for you to get there. And, and I think that a lot of merchants are finally seeing that. And it's unfortunately through the propellant of COVID um, that's done it. But they're finally seeing that with scale, you can then manage through the fixed cost portion of e-commerce mm -hmm. and get to that marginal cost basis and start to see it turn positive. And once you do that, scale becomes no longer a barrier and you're able to drive. And, and so it's really exciting to see the world get there because I think that part is going to make um, many people's lives meaningfully better into the future. But I think we're probably a good year away from really celebrating that as I still wait for my vaccine and maybe you guys wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing yeah. you mentioned COVID because my next question is related to that. You know, so, so because people wanted to make fewer trips outside, you know, during COVID, you know, they, they normally went to stores where they could get all of their stuff under the same roof, like under one roof, get everything right. So, and, and that favored some retailers and didn't favor some. Like, you know, it favored like a Walmart or something where you could have everything under one roof. So, did you see the scales tip? You know, first question. And secondly, now, does the landscape now, where well, let's say COVID is sort of maybe receding, does the landscape now look different than it did pre-COVID? 
Yeah, it, it's changed and changed again, and it will likely change again a third time. And that's the, that's the really interesting thing about this past year and the year ahead is there, there hasn't been a fixed pattern. Like you said, at the very, very start of COVID, we saw trips um, plummet to retailers because of exactly what you said. People weren't excited about shopping when they had to wear a mask and they were paranoid around like getting anywhere close to another human being. <laughs> no longer fun, especially in the grocery space. And when it used to be like a really enjoyable experience for a lot of people, uh, it became a chore. And so the number of trips came down dramatically. And then the value of each incremental trip went up dramatically. Uh, and that was really, really important. What's happening now, what I saw in a recent Dunhumby um, report as well, is that trips are actually rebounding and growing, uh, not necessarily because like the basket is growing at the same time. So the value of each trip is holding, but with less food being eaten outside of the home and more happening inside the home and the comfort level of people on the shopping side growing as that hasn't really proven to be a strong vector of disease um, growth, I, I think you're seeing more trips happening now. And so uh, the article um, suggested the same, and we're seeing it in our data, where we're starting to see traffic continue to grow uh, from individual users as they're looking for that fill-in trip as well of, oh, shoot, my kids ate all my yogurt again. Where am I going to go this week? Pull open the app, do a quick search, and then decide, okay, I'm going to go there. I think people at this point are just looking for any excuse to leave home because they've just been confined for so long. Rick, what would you say is flip mode? Uh, or in other words, what is about flip business uh, model that separates you from the competitors? Uh, not only today, but in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing about us is we are trying to be um, focused on the shopper, mm -hmm. but in the shopper through supporting the merchant and not competing with the merchant or, um, you know, actively kind of disrupting their right to serve. Mm -hmm. We don't want to take a sale. We're not trying to build a marketplace. Uh, we're really trying to be in support of the merchant and the many marketplaces that exist to help them reach and convince shoppers so that shoppers have the best place to come when they're deal focused yeah. in order to pick where they're going to shop that week. And we've got some really strong data points that support that. We, we have another product that I haven't mentioned. So if you go to most major merchant websites, if you go to walmart.ca, if you go to um, many other um, retail websites and you click on see my savings and deals or view my flyer, what you're going to see is a page that's powered by Flip that we give to merchants. We give them uh, that access to a very good and industry leading technology platform for free because we know it's so critical for them to have a way to display that content and ensure they can digitize their print. And we are going to be doing that for our own platform in support of them. And so we really wanna give them a way to go and display that back to their own customers for free. And I think that really differentiated us from the competition early on in the business model. And I think it continues to because we have such a strong relationship with those merchants when we start in a position of helping them solve one of their biggest problems and then giving them a platform to reach more shoppers to solve one of their other biggest problems. And I think it's a really unique way to go to market. And, and talking about competitors, um, how, do you, how do you watch them uh, doing in terms of uh, technological advancement? And does that factor into your own tech roadmap? 
I mean, in all honesty, we are the market leader in the space that we play in. And so uh, I the, like <laughs> you're setting the benchmark. <laughs> I've, I've used with the team is that um, competition is for losers. Once you start to compete, you've already lost. And we're really focused instead on the customer. So as much as we do keep an eye on what's going on in the industry, um, in all honesty, we probably spend more time looking at really cool and compelling apps that we see shoppers are adopting and loving to see what we can learn and what can apply in our own context versus obsessing around what the competition is doing and just trying to chase them. Um, when you're the market leader, I think you have the advantage to set the table and not just chase. Right. You know, you mentioned something interesting. You said you focus on the customer. And if you say that the first company I'm going to think of is Amazon the most customer-centric company in the world. And you know, so Amazon is making an increasingly large play in the grocery space, you know, with, with uh, of course, not just online, even offline, you know, Amazon fresh stores and things like that. Um, so do, do you see Amazon as, as a potential competitor or do you see Amazon as, as, a, as a potential partner? Because they might want to advertise their off, offline retail inventory on, on the flip app on the one hand, on the other, you know, because they have so many prime customers, etc., they may not want to advertise on any other platform besides their own. So they might only want to advertise on the Amazon.com platform, right? So how do you see Amazon, um, you know, going forward? Yeah. I mean, I see them as a great potential customer, not even potential. We've actually done several campaigns with Amazon. Really? Okay. Uh, okay. They're saving some deals to our shoppers. And as they continue to grow in grocery, they're going to continue to be relevant. But even beyond grocery, there are some great deals on Amazon. They're, they're known for having some excellent prices and you know some big promotional uh, events like Prime Day. And if we're trying to help a shopper to make life more affordable, that ultimately means that having visibility and understanding of what those deals are is important to our shopper base and we need to reflect it. And we need to work with Amazon in order to give them a voice to go and do it. What I would say is as much as they might want to, you know, communicate only to a prime membership and have people locked in, there are many merchants beyond Amazon with some great deals. I would encourage the shopper to keep their eyes open and to keep, you know, their willingness to go and try something different. If there is a great deal on a product that's going to save them a bunch of money somewhere else, that's the beauty of competition in the retail landscape. Um, more competition means better prices for everybody and then a willingness to go and shop between two, three, four different um, experiences really does help keep that competition healthy and alive. So I'm eager to have Amazon on the platform and I'm eager for our shoppers to consider them and for every week to make an informed decision on where to go shop. So uh, Rick, when it comes to shopping for groceries, right? What are some of the things, you know, shoppers value apart from price, you know, because I think in terms of pricing, eventually companies come down to the bare bones in the sense you can't fight on price alone, right? So, you know, what are some of the things shoppers value apart from price? I mean, first and foremost, not many people shop for pure price alone. They yeah. normally shop for value, which is a combination of price and quality. So getting the quality that you demand for your family at the price that best serves that family and allows you to stretch your dollar to get even more for that family. So it, it's not even price, it's really about value. And we're not trying to suggest that there's a particular price that is best in the market, but rather help them shop inside the value set that they're looking for. So you can choose which merchants you wanna look for, you can choose which brands, 
you care about, which allows you to set your, your quality threshold and then find the best price inside of that. But even beyond value, um, shoppers definitely look for many things. They look for you know, the experience that they're going to get either in a store or online. What is the end-to-end -end experience that you're going to have as you choose that merchant? And part of that is distance. So how far do I need to go or how, you know, how easy is um, that store accessible? Or you know, what is the convenience level that that e-commerce site can provide? Part of that as well is like actual content and like availability of understanding of what you're actually buying. Uh, and then a big part of that is assortment. So do you have the products that I'm looking for uh, in, in stock? Because that's kind of an important part of it. Um, and, and do you have something that's going to excite me? Something that's new that I haven't seen before um, and something to get me out of my chair to come and try you that particular week. So those are a couple of the different features, right? You've got price, experience, um, access, and convenience as some of the major factors. I, I do have a couple more questions. Yeah, go ahead. So, so, so Rick, I mean, you know, this time, you know, because of the stimulus checks and things like that, and from what I've been reading, it seems like there's a very clear correlation between, you know, retail spikes and when the stimulus checks went out. Did you guys see something of that sort on your app? Uh, you know, uh, correlations between stimulus checks and uh, people's shopping, you know, increases? I would have loved to say that we had not, um, but unfortunately, <laughs> and, and, and this is true in normal times as well, when, because we serve an audience that is looking for savings, that needs savings, there's a, yeah. there's a certain correlation to, as money becomes available, they serve their families. To me, that only reinforces the, the mission even more. It, it makes it clear that, you know, we are there when they are able to serve their family the best. And it just means we need to fight even harder and have even more savings and deals, reach even more shoppers uh, and make it easier and easier to find access. Got it, got it. Uh, Rick, how much of this COVID-led online shopping boomer will stay on once we pass the pandemic? Yeah, this is, I mean, place we go <laughs> the day. I mean, my personal perspective is COVID was an accelerant to online shopping, uh, not a short-term boom. Mm -hmm. And so the, I mean, the optimist in me would say that we're not going to see it slide backwards really at all, that a lot of it is here to stay. And it will continue to grow at a similar rate to what it was growing previously, but off of a very significant base but it won't grow forever. There is a natural balancing off point um, until and unless even greater convenience levels are unlocked at the scale that we achieve and, and we're able to deliver against you know, full baskets at sub one hour delivery times with a great experience with all of the products that you would want and amazing online discovery tools. That's gonna take some time. <laughs> I love this answer. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, do you have any no, other questions? No, that's all, all for me. Yeah. Uh, Rick, do you want to say a little word or whatever you want to throw into the, the podcast? Uh, uh, sure. Um, what, what would I say to your audience? I would say um, retailing is at one of the most exciting times ever, and shopping is at one of the most exciting times ever. And uh, it's incredibly cool to see all of the innovation that's coming to market right now in terms of different retailers, different products and different ways to reach customers. 
Um, if you're interested in making Flip part of your mix as a shopper or a merchant, I strongly encourage you to start by downloading the app. Uh, <laughs> taking a look. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn and, and talk more uh, about the future of retail, I'm always happy to do it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rick. This has been a, this has been a great, absolutely full of, uh, of good news. And, uh, and thank you so much again for, for coming on the show. Uh, we'll follow very closely how Flip grows and, and hopefully I'll be able to download it in France <laughs> soon. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Russell. It was a real pleasure. I, I think, you know, Rick, if people ask me what, you know, what's my one takeaway from today's conversation, I'm going to say it's your humility. Uh, that's going to be my one takeaway from, from this conversation for sure. With and thank you, Raf, for having me as a guest. Today. Thank you. Guys, don't forget to subscribe to Data Hockey Commerce Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You get alerted for every new episode that comes out. See you next time. Bye bye. See you. Bye bye, Rick. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>